Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. So tomorrow, Thursday, is the court order deadline for President Trump's administration to reunite families that have been separated at the border. For weeks, children have been locked in detention, parents have been deported, and it seems unlikely that the government's going to meet this deadline. Either way, protesters plan to be out. Today, we'll meet some of the activists who are bringing Bay Area-style protests to the border. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I, I see my job as just documenting the condition of what's happening there and letting people know. John Sepulveda hosts the California Report, and he's also been reporting from the border for KQED. I, I see my job as talking to people who aren't spoken to often. So I want to hear about some of the people who you met the last time you were, you were there. I, so I went to this church. And where's this? And this is in San Ysidro at the port of entry. And I heard that there was going to be a protest. I love Thank you. I'm John. Nice to meet you. And what ended up happening was there was this incredible uh, group of diverse people. And you had the people who you would expect. You had, you know, your kind of um, progressive rabble-rousing. They go to a lot of different protests. But what I was shocked by were the number of people who hadn't done this before. This was right after those images out of Texas came showing the kids in cages. Mm -hmm. Inside this old warehouse in South Texas, the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol is keeping hundreds of immigrant children in cages created by metal fencing. And it just seemed to have really spurred a lot of people who normally don't come to come. And who, where are they coming from? I work for the National Public Radio affiliate in San Francisco. They were coming from Norco. Do you know where Norco is? No, I don't know where Norco is. They were coming from Lake Elsinore. Do you know where Lake Elsinore is? Um, And I couldn't help it over here that you said you were from Lake Elsinore. Uh Is that right? Yeah. The reason I know... These were not from hotbeds of like liberal California. I'm curious, is this like your first protest? Have you done protests before? Why are you here? This is my first pro... This is my first one. My first... Your first protest? Uh Uh-huh. Patricia Baldwin. Okay, so this is somebody who's from the Inland Empire. And she had disagreed with President Trump's behavior and his policies before. But not until family separation did she ever feel like speaking out about it. I just felt a tug at my heart that this was something I need to speak up about. And never before did she think that she would actually join in on a protest like this. But she did, even though she was really uncomfortable at first. I'm like forcing myself to be uncomfortable. (laughs) You're uncomfortable. (laughs) To be honest, I thought 
people were going to look at me like, why is this white lady here? <laughs> and that was really, I didn't, I didn't want them to judge me based on the color of my skin, how they're being judged based on the color of their um, skin. So, so that was really skin, shocking and it wasn't something I was expecting to find. This is the, the craziest part, Devin, or the, the part I found most surprising, I should say. These people from these places were being trained by people from the Bay Area. So I walk into the church and uh, I'm basically walking and I'm like, hey, I'm a reporter. Can someone help me? Um, I was wondering if I could ask you a few questions. Is that okay? Yeah. That lady's name is Lorena Melgarejo. She's from San Francisco. And I start to ask her questions. And before I even get started, she's like, I'm thinking that maybe it's better to, to go outside or something. Like, to have somebody that doesn't have an accent to be the, the spokesperson. Actually, I'm going to go get you a white person. Just because it's like, the, I'm sort of like the normal speaker for this kind of thing. And it's like, I want people who are like from here like literally says to me really i'm going to go get you a white person and i'm like that's cool i like white people but why are you going to yeah why i'm cool with doing an interview just... why don't we do that why don't you show me where those let me, are? Let me find okay. your white person. <laughs> they made a concerted effort to have me talk to people who look like the people they want to reach which are middle-class white people. Thank you for finding me your token white person. Here I am, token white person. And she led me to another person. And this is Rebecca Gordon. She's a professor at the University of San Francisco. So it's important to me as a white person and as an old white lesbian with a fair amount of privilege. A lot of energy. And a lot of energy because that's, you know, too much caffeine. But um, that I have a certain amount of privilege and that's why, for example, I'm willing to risk arrest today because I recognize that I have the capacity to withstand certain kinds of attacks in relatively greater safety, although you never know when you put your hands in the, yourself in the hands of the police, but in relatively greater safety than some of my students, for example, who are undocumented or who are DACA recipients, and that it's my responsibility as a teacher to be here for them, and especially when I can do so with less risk than some other people. The way that these organizers looked at it again, organizers from East Oakland and organizers from San Francisco, is that they have people in their communities on board with being against the president's administration. The, the issue is, is they need people from the Central Valley, people from conservative Lake Elsinore, people from Norco, people from Corona, these areas that are often not hotbeds of progressivism. And so in order to reach those people i.e. often white people, middle class, upper middle class people, they want to get other upper middle class people who are white talking to them. I teach ethics and I think one of the key things in ethics is to be able to recognize in a situation what is actually happening and to separate out the gloss of language on top of it, the descriptions, and look at the actual actions. Do you think that they planned this out ahead of time? And do you think oh, yeah. that they, why, why do you think they did that? There was a concerted effort that entire weekend to put white people, specifically white women, in the front, whether it was uh, talking to the press or whether it was marching. They really wanted specifically white women out in the front. Thank you.
Why do you think activists from the Bay Area were there? Because activists from the Bay Area know how to get things done. And I mean, it was amazing to watch in a way because I grew up in San Diego County. San Diego County is sleepy as I can't finish that sentence. Really? But okay. like, yeah, I, I didn't know that. It is a place where people are not politically active. And so to see really hardcore strategies from the Bay be taken to San Diego, it was something to behold. The sheriff's department didn't know what to do. <laughs> they were like, they were like legitly confused because it was yeah. so well organized. Wow. I would say somewhere between 2,500 and 3,500 people turned out, which is a huge amount for San Diego. And they marched from around this church to the Otay Mesa detention facility. This is a place where, where separated adults were being kept uh, by Immigration Customs Enforcement. It's contracted out to another company. This company didn't even for a second assume that anyone would trespass onto their property. They, they kind of looked at it with like amusement. They were taking selfies with it behind like the guards and stuff. kind of like, well, whatever, if they want to march in the middle of this kind of empty area, whatever. They did two days of training for these protesters ahead of time. And then all of a sudden, this group of mainly white women, led by an Oakland reverend, Ben McBride, trespasses. And it wasn't just Ben McBride, there were other people from Oakland and other people from San Francisco. And they essentially tie themselves up to a fence. It becomes almost a sit-in situation. On the other side, they looked at each other like, what? And then like, you know, they they were trying to figure out what to do and they kept saying like, you can't can't go there. And then they would back up 20 feet. No, 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 you can't go there. And the guards pulled out their pepper spray and their tear gas canisters that they usually use for, you know, disturbances within this detention center. And it looked like things were gonna get tense. And there turned out to be no confrontation between the guards and and these mm-hmm. protesters. It was re- it, it actually, in a way, worked too well. They were hoping the 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 leadership, the Bay Area leadership, were hoping that these people got arrested. Oh, they didn't get arrested. No one got arrested, and the protest wound down because there was no confrontation. It was like this huge anticlimactic thing. <laughs> they just kind of started peeling off one by uh-huh. one, and they weren't able to finish their their mission, which was actually to get arrested. They may not have been arrested, but John says a couple of weeks later, new white people turned out to protest. The newcomers saw the coverage of the day John was there, where white women were front and center. They saw a lot of themselves there, and all of a sudden it became this less scary thing. So it actually worked out the way that the, the Bay Area organizers wanted it to. John Sepulveda hosts the California Report. He's heading back down to San Diego this week. To follow his coverage, you can find him on Twitter. He's at JohnLGC, and you can find his coverage at kqed.org. I'm Devin Katayama. You can find me. I'm at Radio Devin. And just a quick reminder that The Bay is putting out episodes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. That's it. You've been listening to The Bay.
Season three of The Leap is coming to an end, which means for you binge listeners out there, now is the time to subscribe and get caught up. The Leap podcast has stories all about dramatic life changes, someone starting out in one place and ending up somewhere completely different. Subscribe to The Leap wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. <laughs>